At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Be very, very wary of April Fool's Day gags. I'm always wary. I was wary walking into the studio here at NBC today for anybody, for any jokes, whatever it may be. I'm on edge, and I will be on edge all day long. Oh, yeah. It's Monday. It's April Fool's Day. You're on edge? I'm, I mean, with Florio, yeah. I thought they were going to play a joke on me. That's what they do. He's a jerk. He's a career jerk, so I never <laughs> trust him, okay? Uh, but either way, Liam McHugh is here to help me out today, as usual. Thanks for having me. Love your camo. I can't even see you over there. You're so I know. Well, that's, your that's the whole idea. Yeah. Over there. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Very nice. I, uh, when I'm not in a suit, I dress like my six-year-old. That's it. <laughs> I, I like your style, man. Thank so you You don't have to much. apologize to yeah. me. You don't look like a six-year-old. I'll uh, just, tell like, you, just tell you now. It's like homeless hipster. Yeah, I've good. really cultivated a look here. That's good. Your dad likes my style. I'm sure he does. Because didn't he Because he has no style, so he'll he, do anything to you, get some style. You called me over last summer saying that your dad wanted to know. He was jocking your suit and tie game. Not Big this time. No, not that low. Your suit and tie game, yeah. all over it. Yes. You don't definitely. see. You don't see Phil. No, not at all. Face. None of that. No? Absolutely none of that. Sorry, that he can't do that. He can't pull it off. I'd like to see that. Yeah, you, I'd like to see it too, especially <laughs> the camouflage pants. But what's up, everybody? Uh, it's Monday, April first. We're going to talk about it. a little bit. A little football wasn't a huge uh, news weekend for sure. No, nope. certainly not a whole lot to talk about on the football front. We're going to dive into two or three subjects that we think are worthy of talking about. Some of the new head coaches. Yeah. Some of those teams can get uh, started as of this week. If you hired a new head coach. This is the first week you can get to work. Four of the teams are starting this week. I uh, just want to make sure I get those right. Browns, Broncos, Bucks, and Miami Dolphins are the four that Why are starting. I, I guess I guess Why they're would? the only reason I would say the other teams are maybe waiting till next week is to gain a week maybe on the back end, right? You still have to take a week, right? You, yeah, you, do. you have so to maybe take a week a, off. A so week. it's not like you get an extra – you get one more. No, it's a, it's a lot of number of OTAs yes. and, and practices and workout days you get. So maybe the teams that are waiting until next week are going, yeah, we'd rather have that extra week with our drafted players. Maybe that's, that would be the logic, I would think, at least. Uh, but either way, hope you subscribe to the podcast, okay? Got to start out that, just plugging that. But And on YouTube.com slash NBC Sports, if you want to see these two beautiful faces – just go there and you will see thy handsome Liam McHugh and Chris Sims. This is what I look like without makeup on. You have no this makeup is, on today? This is it. Good for yeah, you. I, I have a little on. I'm getting older and I'm, I don't I'm, mess around. Oh, no, you look fantastic. I, come yeah. on. I know it's par for the course, but thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, and I, I told you I got the bad sunburn over the weekend where I decided in 50 degree weather to put my Irish skin out in the sun. It was a bad idea. I turned the hat around backwards. I came home from it, had my kids out playing soccer. My yeah. wife said, 
you look a little odd. Oh. Did you turn your hat around? You like look a little less white I than said, usual. I said, yeah, she's like, because you have a mark right there where the sun hit. It's not bad. You can barely tell. Well, thanks. They're good. I feel a lot better. Good. Now everybody that. watching, please focus in on his uh, yeah. forehead, and you'll see that there. Uh, but get at me at CSIMSQB on Twitter or at SimsUnbutton on Instagram. Anything. We love the dialogue. Want to keep talking ball. Ask me questions. Challenge me. Tell me how awesome I am. Whatever you want to do, we welcome it. But we're going to dive in. Where are we going to start today? Where well, are we so going to First off, you yeah. said you were nervous about April Fool's. Oh, what? Did you ever have, like, a bad Like, my April wife Fools? probably pulled the biggest prank on me ever. Yeah, ever. We were in Nashville, Tennessee. I had a German Shepherd in the neighborhood. We had a, 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 a couple that was friends of ours. They had a, a golden retriever. My dog used to love to play them, play with, to play with him together, whatever. I'm, like, going to the gym to get a workout in because I'm still holding that hope that a team might sign me going into the 2011 season, right? Okay. And I come back, and we're, we're going to dog sit this, this dog, this golden retriever for the day because the couple had to go out and long day of work. And we said, yeah, hey, no problem. Put them in our backyard. They love each other. My dog, your dog, have fun. I get home. My wife ran out of the house in a panic, really sold it, and told me, that our neighbor's dog had ran away and they hadn't been able oh to God. find it. Right. And I, of course, cussed her out. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? This and that. Pulled out of the driveway, started driving around the neighborhood, and I'm no. yelling out their name. And I looked down at my phone and my wife's calling me and I answer and she's laughing. That's she's fantastic. Like, so that was a driving pretty good one. Driving around the neighborhood. Yeah, she got me. She let it go She let for it a go. While. She let me drive around for about two minutes before she called. Yes. That's, that's yeah. a really good job. Why, what was the best one you ever pulled on you? I, I can only tell you, I, right. I'll tell you the best story that I've heard. Yeah. Uh, Keith Jones, who I do uh, NHL coverage with. Yep. He's got great stories from the minor leagues. You know, you're out there with a bunch of guys. No one thinks they're going to make it. You're going from bad town to bad town. You're not making a lot of money. And uh, you're on the bus a whole lot. Right. So guys on his team used to play the lottery all the time because you don't know if you're going to make it. You want some money. You want to get out of that life. Go for the lottery. Every single one of them. And this is pre-smartphone. Uh, yeah. So everyone's got a lotto ticket. So what they do is they decide. Everyone hits the ice, him and his buddies. They go. They find one guy's locker, and they look at his numbers. They write them down. And then what happens is they all go to the bus after, and the guy, the bus driver finds out the winning lotto numbers, and he reads them aloud. Oh, that is so, perfect. So he's reading them, and they're like, read them slowly. Read them real slowly. So he gets, a, gets you know, through a few of these numbers, and the guy's looking down. And he's start, he's like, starting she, to get used up. Like, holy cow, I got three of them look, so They're far. all looking back at him. They're like, this is great. <laughs> gets a few more, and then finally gets the last one. Waits, pauses, looks it over a couple times. Like, yes! Oh, my God, Yes! runs up to the front of the bus, looks at the coach and says, fuck you, and gets off the bus. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, my God. And now they have to explain to this guy, of course, that you're still on the the team. You're still on the team. Still your coach. You didn't win the lottery. Oh, God. You have to apologize. And long story short, that guy was cut a few months ago. I would think so. That would be the end of the relationship, kind of letting the coach know how you felt right there. Did not go on to be a millionaire or an NHL. I feel like an NFL locker room, like April Fool's Day, is everybody so on edge that it would be hard to pull off like a true, like, get somebody. Now, the best prank I ever saw, Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott, just if we were on pranks, I got to give him credit. We had a young rookie, Jeb Terry, who kind of just hung around the NFL offensive line for a little, for like two or three years. But 
Allstott, who was like, of course, of course, a veteran at the time, he wants a Gatorade. Hey, Rook, get me a Gatorade out of the refrigerator. He's in, the, he's in his locker. We just got in for practice. The Rook, Jeb Terry, looks at him and goes, no, and just walks away. And Allstott goes, you're going to pay for that. Well, the next day, we come in from workouts, and Jeb Terry's um, four tires are hanging from the goalpost Come on. on the practice field. We walk in the <laughs> locker room. The hood of his car is at his locker. Oh, my God. And then we go outside to see in the parking lot, and his car is on four cinder blocks. Stripped. Stripped completely. <laughs> so that's why you don't mess with the older veteran who knows all the people in town to pull off that kind of prank. That was wow. an all-timer. That right? takes a lot of manpower. Mike Allstott was the man. Yeah. The man with that stuff. I wouldn't have never messed with him. I would just, have got him a Gatorade just bottle. Just get him a Gatorade. Get him the, there's no point in fighting that battle. No. None. Seems like that probably would have been the easier way out. Yeah, you think? All right. So you want to jump into yeah. let's NFL? Go. Let's talk. get some news. Right. All right. Let's yeah. Let's start with the Giants. Right. Okay. All right. Because it's while it's sort of a slow weekend, the rumors continue to swirl. Yeah. And they really never stop with this Giants. It doesn't game. seem so right, right now. Eli back for a year. Oh, maybe we like him enough for Eli to be back for a couple of years. Right. Uh, are we trading for Josh Rosen? Yeah. Are we interested in him? Sure. Right. Are we drafting a quarterback? Are we drafting a pass rusher? Right. Um, and the fundamental problem here is you have Dave Gettleman who is essentially on record as saying, I don't want to tell you what's going on here, right? Yeah. Right? His quote, just really, truly, and very honestly, it's not my responsibility to tell you guys what I'm doing, just like it's not my responsibility to respond to every rumor that comes down the pike. Not my job. Not my responsibility. Trust me, we've got a plan. Right. Over time, you've got to be patient. Everybody wants answers now in this instant gratification society, instant gratification world. Everybody wants answers. Now, over time, you'll see it. You've got to trust it. So essentially what he is saying is don't trust me enough to tell you what's going on. Don't believe what I'm telling you, but trust that I've got a plan. So trust me, but don't trust me. Yeah. Because I've also been on record as saying we're not trading. We didn't sign back up to trade them. We didn't marry them, divorce them. We don't trade away talent. Right. So it's it's all over the place. It's misleading from every standpoint. It's misleading... When the brass of the New York Giants is behind a microphone, and then it's misleading with some of the actions or things we're seeing as far as uh, moves along the NFL front. Okay, so yeah, I don't know what to believe right now as far as where the Giants are, what's the plan of attack, everything. Let's about start it. with this. Okay, do you believe there's a concrete plan, or do you believe that this is a plan that is constantly changing? No, I think right now they're dabbling in between two plans and trying to make it work. I think they're trying to. We're still going to win and be competitive with Eli as their quarterback, but yet we're building for the future at the same time. And I think that at the same it makes it very hard to do. It makes it very hard to do accomplish two things, uh, you know, or, or two different things with one plan you know usually when you see a team going no we're building for the future they're building for the future and that's all there is to it like the Miami Dolphins would be the perfect example right now they're they're giving away assets paying part of the contract so they can acquire draft picks for the future to have more assets to where they can tinker with their their roster the Giants right now you know hey you get you don't you don't even try to re-sign a Landon Collins you know you tell us Odell Beckham Jr. there's no trade talk but then we hear from the 49ers at the end of last week that there was trade talk so therefore not only did you lie to the public you lied to Odell Beckham Jr. which isn't cool either and you didn't at least squash those rumors when they were out there and then you wonder why did Odell Beckham Jr. not feel good about playing for the New York Giants or maybe when he's asked the question it goes how do you, do you like New York and he goes 
It's complicated. complicated That's yeah. what he means by complicated. He's had a year and a half of hearing rumors like that that don't get squashed. So I think that's part of it. He basically gave an honest answer. He gave an honest yeah. answer, right. Now, you go to the quarterback situation. You know, there's, there's so many things that I think I talk about uh, that you could talk about with the, the Giants quarterback situation. First of all, Eli, I, I, listen, again, Eli has been awesome for the New York Giants. I'm not trying to argue that. But I don't understand why he has given this free pass here the last few years when you've made the playoffs only one time since 2011, and that was a 2016 season, which wasn't all that beautiful of a performance by Eli either. I would say that was a year of great defense and some playmaking by Odell Beckham Jr. to win football games that way. His name's not Eli Manning. He's on the field last year. There's just no chance. Uh, among starters in the NFL, you would put him? I, I'm, he's towards the bottom of the list. Three, I'm not four, even sure. Five. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure he's in the top 32 of starting quarterbacks yeah. right now. I think he might be more towards the end of we get into the backups who are really quality into that conversation. And again, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I know we're talking about a legend here, but the reality is the legend's making $23 million a year or counting that against the cap this year. And the play hasn't been good. And that's what comes along with professional sports. But what's the plan at quarterback? I mean, you know, you know, one, it's, okay, we're going to ride with Eli Manning. You know, going into the pre-draft process, process, heard a lot about the Giants were hot on Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. feel like that's cooled off. Then became the Josh Rosen rumors last week. Um, so then that goes into it. Then you hear Gettleman right after that talk about they favor a pass rusher yeah. at the number six pick. Okay? Then it's after. Which, if he says that. And That's he tells fine. you that I, it's not my job to tell you what I'm thinking. Right. No, it's Why not. should you believe it anyway? No, you're, you're right. You're I exactly mean, right. And it's not his job to tell us the truths of all those things. But I think what's going on is the reality with what he is also saying is double confusing. We don't know really the direction it's going overall. And then the last piece is when we hear the, over this weekend once again that the Giants might be comfortable extending Eli Manning and going to the 2020 season, which, hey, listen, I don't understand. And I if don't that's the it. case, right. why'd you trade Beckham? Well, you're right. Well, right? Why would you trade Beckham if you were and if you were comfortable with Eli Manning for a couple of years? I, I get that, but I think that goes back to proving, or at least proving my point that I think that Odell Beckham Jr. put Eli Manning under more pressure and yeah. the Giants under more pressure, and that's why they wanted to get rid of that conversation altogether. Because you and one thing you and I can do when we watch TV on a Sunday is go, man, Odell was deep. Why did he not yeah. throw him the ball there? We just saw the replay. Or, you know, why did he throw the check down and not do that? And that makes it, it becomes a whole issue in itself. But when you get into the 2020 talk, and I hear that, my, like, antennas go up. Because the first thing I start to think of is, ooh, when I hear Eli's extended for 2020, or, or we're thinking about yeah. that, just reading between the lines or, or evaluating the tea leaves, as they may say, I look at it and go, it just doesn't sound like the Giants are crazy about any of these quarterbacks coming out in the draft process. That's the first thing I think of. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Ask well, me. they're not going to get yeah. – I mean, they're probably not going to get Kyler Murray. No, okay. I would have been – no. Let's, just, let's, let's right. eliminate that possibility. Yes, right. Let's say that that's mm-hmm. the way it goes down. Would you rather have Rosen than any other quarterback in this draft? Ooh, that is a really great question by you. But it's not it's not an obvious answer. It, it's not an obvious. It's not a no. It's not okay. a slam dunk. It's not a slam dunk. Josh Rosen is a really awesome thrower of the football. He's a good decision maker. He lacks the modern day athleticism that you would like out of the quarterback position. But I think it's very close between all three of those guys, whether it's Locke, Haskins, or okay. Rosen. Rosen's probably the most polished and ready to go right now if you needed him to. So that's where I look at that as being but a But essentially positive. you don't. 
No. I guess if you're no, the, you don't. That's the thing. Exactly right. right. So, and then the other thing I know about the Giants is, you know, the Giants were hot on the Justin Herbert kid from Oregon. Yep. I know they sent people out there to watch him work out all year long last year, which then leads me into the reason maybe they're talking about 2020 extension with going, you know what, we don't have the guy we like right now. Maybe we'll wait till next year's draft and see if we can make a move for the guy we really like then. And then he sits one more year underneath Eli in 2020 before he could take over a la Patrick Mahomes behind Alex Smith, whatever it may be. But the Giants are extremely confusing football team right now. And um, some of the moves I agree with, some I totally disagree with. And we have three weeks from Thursday yeah. is the draft. So right. we have three more weeks of, I would expect, a lot of misdirection, right? From uh, the Giants, yes, a definitely. lot of more rumors swirling. Sure. And I would expect Gettleman to be out there not trying to put out those rumors, not trying to eliminate those rumors, because at this point, I guess, if you're him, you kind of want people just to have no idea where you're no, coming from. No, and nobody has any idea. And I'll say this, too, uh, to your point, Liam, nobody has any clue what they're doing yet, quite yet, as far as how they want to handle the draft. They're close. They're formulating some, some plan A's and plan B's but they're not quite sure what they want to do. Like, I still believe the Arizona Cardinals. How's about this? You don't think they know I don't this think point? they totally. I think they're leaning one way, but they're also in the process probably of still gathering information from teams or who are interested with Josh Rosen. Is there somebody who yeah. wants to trade up to number one and going to give us some unbelievable package of picks to where we go, damn, we like Kyler Murray, but we're going to get two number ones and a, a number two and a number four in the future to build the team? Maybe we need to reconsider. Is Kyler Murray worth all that? So I think all of that is being uh, – uh, set into its final stages at this point in the offseason through front offices. What would you do with the first overall pick? I would take Kyler Murray, yes. Okay. And that's not an indictment on Josh Rosen. I think yep. Josh Rosen is a starting NFL quarterback, hands down. I really do. But if you want to run this modern offense in the NFL, if you want to run I, Kingsbury's I do, offense? If you want, and I think Kyler Murray's that special. Yep. I do. I mean, he just come on. You, you, you and I watched a lot of college football together last it's, year, and it was a human highlight film it, it, yeah. on a weekly basis. We went, whoa, what a throw. Holy cow, that run was like an NFL running back running in space. Holy cow, he went down the sidelines for a 60-yard touchdown and outran everybody. So it's a special skill set that Kyler Murray brings. It's not necessarily an indictment on Josh Rosen and what he is. Uh, I, and, of course, Cliff Kingsbury has watched Kyler Murray very closely since high school true. and has a knowledge and loving for the player. Yeah, it's not necessarily that you get a guy who can be a starting quarterback in the league or even a franchise quarterback. you get a guy who can maybe change the entire change game. Change the, the whole – exactly right. Jersey on, sales, Then there's that business. feeling if you passed on him, oh, my goodness. Right. Someone else gets him. And he becomes a superstar. That's, you sit there and go, what idiots we are. We, I mean, we knew he had a great arm. We knew he was really fast. Why did we, why did we you know, not pick him? And that will that will make them stay up uh, late at night more than than maybe just picking him and having to deal with how the offense they need to figure out to formulate around him. All right, so yeah. let's move on to another head okay. coach in the NFL because we're going to touch on the fact that there are these eight new head coaches, yep. and that you mentioned four of them will start workouts this week. All eight could start workouts if they chose to at this point. But Sean Payton had some very interesting comments last week that kind of just came and went. Yeah, uh, but I, I found it really fascinating because talk about the process of trends in the NFL and hiring coaches and how you have trends and each season people sort of jump on something and they say things like ah, the thing that can be disappointing is you talk to someone and they give you the profile of the coach and they'll say well you're not interested in a young Bill Belichick or a young Tony Dungy well they get so pigeonholed into because this is cyclical, right? And ultimately, you would say if we did a little history, successful head coaches probably come from the east and the west and the north and the south. They come from all different areas. They probably come from both 
both color and they probably come on defense and offense. And they're good leaders. They're great leaders. Yeah. And if you say you just want the one that coaches quarterbacks and they're on offense, well, then you're going to end up the smaller pool there. You'll probably have less of a chance to be right because already of eight higher, there's going to be three that survive three years. Yeah. You know, more to that point, he also said something about season by season, there are trends. Teams look out, they say something like, I want Alvin Kamara. Well, you can't have him. You go to the draft, 10 more running backs, and you can be 0 for 10 yes. to find him. Or, and this is really where he touches on this, you want basically a Sean McVay. Right. All right? Yes. And that's what everyone seems to want, that head coach. Well, I see a lot of mistakes made in that process. I feel like being this long in the offseason, we're excited to play those teams, which right there gets to the heart of you know, trends or not. That's a little bit of smack talk right. out of a coach sure. where he thinks the process is wrong. He thinks yeah. everyone's chasing this certain type of head coach. Right. Not everyone's going to be McVay just because you were buddies with him exactly at one point right. or you coached under right. him. But you don't hear coaches speak that plainly and that bluntly. In fact, most coaches want to avoid that talk, and they want their players to avoid it. What do you think of what he well, said? Well, first of all, that's why I love Sean Payton. Whether, whether, whatever it is, the rules being changed, situations like this, Will Smith dying from the gun, uh, you know, being shot in the, the traffic altercation. He spoke out loudly yep. against gun use, all of those things. He doesn't care. He tries to discuss what he thinks is right and wrong. And with this subject, come on, he's spot on. I mean, he really is. I mean, again, what he's saying, too, is not personal against the coaches who have been hired. What I think it's more is personal to the organizations. What he's saying to the front offices there is, you know, yeah, me, Sean Payton, the guy who's won a Super Bowl and won a lot of close playoff games and done a lot of great things for my career. I'm excited to play your new, your new coach who's never called plays before, yeah. let alone be a head coach, or never designed an offensive game plan before, let alone to be a head coach, or haven't even coached a down in the NFL yet. And here you are as a head coach in the NFL. So I think that's more what he's speaking to, to go, you know, there's, be, there's great candidates being left out of the conversation on a yearly basis uh, because of what we're talking about. Oh, the hot new guy. We're all trying to find Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Well, you know why Sean McVay and the Kyle Shanahans were hired at a young age? Because they were really good at what they did. It wasn't because, like, oh, they knew other young guys and it worked out. No, they were ahead of the time. They're kid geniuses in their own right. Exactly. And we, and we call these guys right. unique for a reason. Yes. All right? They are unique. They that are means unique. you cannot find eight of them in a season. You can't just say, all right, we want someone just like that. You can't. That, they are unique. You're not going to find them year in, year out. But I think more to his point also is just the idea of, yeah, you get a, a good offensive mind, that's great. And it's important to every football team, obviously. You need leadership. Leadership you need is leadership crucial at the top, and I think he sees other candidates who have those skills being overlooked, and I think it really bothers him. Now we talk about shade being thrown or smack talk or bulletin board material potentially out there. You should mention that on their schedule yeah. next year, the Saints they only have to play one of these young coaches, and that's Kingsbury and that's Arizona. And they're probably, at this point, not that worried about it. Well, I would think that they're in a different class than that, certainly. But, yeah, I mean, again, he's just speaking to a guy going, and Cliff Kingsbury, who I think has all the potential to be a successful NFL head coach, he's still got to prove it to me. Do I I still think the hiring was crazy. I mean, he was was not even up for a head coaching job in college football, uh, let alone an NFL head coaching job. And all of a sudden he becomes this hot new guy. Yes, because he's relatable. I understand that. He can relate to players. All those things are positives. But it's... 
it is still a, a game about leadership, detail, uh, getting your team to believe. And I think that's where we're leaving out candidates like, you know, hey, I always think of guys – uh, you know Dave Taub, the special the special teams coordinator for years, or the Kansas City Chiefs, who was phenomenal coach. He gets left out of the conversations. Guys like Mike Munchak, yeah, I know he was a head coach down with the Tennessee Titans, and it didn't work out great the first time. But there was some extenuating circumstances that went into some issues there altogether. You're leaving out a lot of guys who I think are extremely qualified for the job. Dan Campbell, who took over the Miami Dolphins, who works under Sean Payton, and that's probably what he's really the jumping off point of this conversation to go you know again it's not always about being an offensive genius or being the quarterback guy you know I think if we go through some of the teams and, and football right now and you look at the the head coaches okay I mean hey Andy Reid yeah okay maybe he's a quarterback guy but he was kind of an offensive line guy who worked his way and proved himself with the Green Bay Packers to get there. But there's a lot of other coaches, whether it's Bill Belichick, Anthony Lynn, John Harbaugh, yep. who uh, saw the game from a different angle from, than as from a quarterback whisperer, and they're still extremely good head coaches. Why? Because their, -team, their teams are detailed, tough, disciplined. They know how to play situational football. And I think with Harbaugh, yeah. you mentioned situational football. Right. The idea is you may not think of him as one of these young, innovative, offensive-minded coaches, but he has an ability to adapt. And he showed that ability last year. You know, with it, the at, a, at yeah, a time sure. when he was rumored to be on the way out. Right. He I, showed an ability to adapt. He definitely showed an ability to adapt. And, you know, again, it, it is still football is a, uh, it is a sport about physical Physical play, willpower, um, having a you know set plan to where your teams uh, match offensively and defensively as far as the game plans being cohesive, all of those things. But a lot of that's nobody cares about anymore. It's all about quarterback numbers, quarterback whisperer, and we think this guy's good with the quarterback. And you know that absolutely just drives me crazy because you know again it's build the team, and then the quarterback will be successful if you put the right team and scheme around the quarterback. But I think this day and age, we're trying to do it the other way around. We think, oh, if we get the quarterback and he plays well, everything will fall uh, fall in place. And I just don't think that's necessarily true. All right. Well, that leads us to our, our next topic, yeah. which is going through some of these first-year head coaches with these new NFL coaches. And the over-unders are out, the projected win totals for some of these teams. We have ours through CG Technology. And let's start with the Browns. Yeah. Because they make the jump here, right? Right. And this is a team that last year, I believe, was predicted to their over-under was six. Yeah. They went over it. Right. And now, obviously, they add Beckham. But Freddie Kitchens is a head coach. Yeah. And they are up there at nine wins. And that's a big jump. Big jump. It's a team that's basically projected to win the division now. Pretty much. And the pressure on Kitchens is it's, going to be immense it is. at this point. Because this is a team that's going to be on in prime time. Yeah. It's going to be a team that now teams are gunning for them. Right. They're not sneaking up on anyone. Baker Mayfield's not a guy who's not sneaking, is sneaking up on anyone because he's going to be talking. He's right. going to be brash. Sure. And they're going to have to deliver. Do you hey. buy that this is a coach that can deliver in a pressure situation? I, I do. I do. Just because I know him a little bit, I don't think the pressure is going to get to him, really. I think he is a 
Like Freddie Kitchens is a real traditional ball coach. He just wants to be locked in a room. He wants to do game plans. He wants to talk to his quarterback and figure out what makes them comfortable and go from there. The pressure is what you said. I mean, when if I look at the negative with the Browns, the biggest negative is, yeah, they got to prove it on paper. They're, they're the paper champs. But on the field, uh, it's all talk at this point. And they are a young team. And, you know, learning how to win football games. And Baker Mayfield, the second-year guy, learning how to win football games and manage situations are all things that are learned in the NFL. You know, it's easy to win games in high school and, and college football, especially when you're on a team like Oklahoma where you can mess up three times a game in the Big 12 and just go, well, we're just better. We're Oklahoma, and your, we'll still come back and win this are game. are going to be better. Then. Exactly you, right. You get five-star recruits that are coming off the bench. Right. I mean, I mean, the difference in a good team and a bad team is so finite now this day and age in the NFL. So, yes, it's going to be the blending of the personalities, but the talent is there. And the thing I like about Freddie Kitchen, just to end the conversation with the Browns, too, a guy like Steve Wilkes as the defensive coordinator. You know, a little bit, again, like a McVay-Wade Phillips combination to where Freddie Kitchens during games, if he wants to go over and sit on the bench and talk to Baker Mayfield and have a conversation and, hey, I'm seeing this on third downs and, you know, maybe we should try this play, he's not going to have to worry about, oh, is my defense falling apart? He's going to have a guy that's been a head coach yep. or at least been around for a long time as a defensive coordinator that he can trust that can run that side of the football uh, side of the football team when he's over there maybe tinkering with ideas. All right, so you don't have to micromanage. Yeah. They don't have to deal potentially with the coaching drama that they dealt with last year. And let's face it, that was, was an a issue. world of it. Yes. Um, and they were still a successful football team by all measures, really. I mean, you think they're going to do it? You think they're going to get a nine? I, I like them yeah. at nine. Uh, I don't know that I like it over. Yeah. I like them to hit the number. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't The division's good. That's the problem. It is, yes. Okay. Uh, but, man, they're a talented team. They're going to be fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And we can't forget how good they were at times last year on defense. Yes, I know. Right? So if the offense improves, yeah, right. nine seems about right. Yeah. Let's move on to the Packers. Yeah. Okay. Now another one of these. Yeah. Uh, friends of Sean. Uh -huh. We'll call him, right? right? Matt LaFleur, nine wins. This is a guy who had one year with the Titans offense. Yes. Okay? Yep. Kind of underwhelming Titans offense. Exactly. And they found out that they had a big running back. Let's run the football, which is a little bit different look than they're going to have in Green Bay. Yeah. And the big question I have here is, all right, so you have LeBron James out there, basically best player in the world, decides for all intents and purposes he doesn't need to be coached, doesn't want to be coached. You have right. Aaron Rodgers who has said, I want to be coached. Yes, right. But I'm not sure but, that everyone really always, believes yeah, that sure. he wants to be coached sure. because he's been there, he's done that. He is, what, four years younger than his head coach? Yep. He's going to have strong opinions about the offense. Yes, he is. Is this a head coach that can push back against Aaron Rodgers and that can convince him that his strong opinion is the right one if it's not – Let's face it, yeah. directly coinciding with Aaron Rodgers. No, hey, listen, that's going to be the big thing. I mean, I think when we look at the positives, okay, let's just start there with the Green Bay Packers in the offseason so far. Made some great moves on the defensive side of the ball. And I do like that they got new fresh ideas on the offensive side of the ball as far as Matt LaFleur with Nate Hackett. Now, what you're saying is totally real. Is it really going to work at the end of the day? This is what I would argue. And again, with Aaron Rodgers, I do believe he wants to be coached. The things I've heard in Green Bay that were troubling to Rodgers and some of the people on the offensive side of the ball was the fact that uh, during the week, Mike McCarthy wasn't involved in many of the offensive team meetings. And then he, Sunday, he wanted to call the plays. And as a play, as a as an ex quarterback, that would not feel very good for me if I was on the field going, 
I haven't even had dialogue with this guy all week about what plays I like or when this def- when the defense runs this, we talked we were going to run these type of plays on the offensive side of the ball to where that's where I would go, that's not cool. And I think that's where we some of the um, things we saw last year from Rodgers rolling his eyes about a play call or we heard conversations that he would change play calls. Well, yeah, I think he was frustrated by that aspect. Go ahead. What did you want to say? Okay, but they're yeah. at nine wins. Yeah. And you yeah. think he wants to be coached? You think, yeah. he, you think if there's someone involved, yeah, day-to-day basis that yeah. he really could communicate with, that it could work? I, I don't think okay. Aaron Rodgers doesn't even realize what he doesn't know yet. He doesn't even know what he doesn't know. Does that make sense? It, it, uh, it, it, that makes it sense could. in its own weird yeah, way? Yes. He doesn't know what he doesn't even know because he's going to question things about this offense or, oh, we used to do it this way, and they're going to sit there and they'll go, oh, yeah, Aaron, but you had 10 plays in your last offense, so we, we have to expand. That's why you guys had troubles. I mean, it was, it was, it's 10 pass plays. So guys like LeFleur and Hackett are going to have to sell him. They will have plays on video when they sit in the quarterback room and go, hey, we love this play, and they're going to give him 10 examples of whether LeFleur, McVay, or Shanahan ran it, who LeFleur worked under both of those guys to go, look, during this coverage, we like this play, so this is why we want to add it and do that. They're going to have to sell, and that's part of being a coach, is being a salesman to your player, to players and your quarterback to go, uh, no, we, I believe these plays are going to work. Let me show you why, and now you can believe in them too. And I think that's where it's going to really have to be the jump-off point. We saw him throw yeah. the football away a lot more last year yes, than we, we did. saw throughout his career. Right, right. Um, do you see that in this new offense? I, do you see him I, I don't think to that more extent. aggressive? Or? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be more aggressive. I think they'll run the ball a little bit better under LaFleur and Nate Hackett. I mean, Nate Hackett and, and LaFleur both believe in running the ball, so I think you're going to see that. Of course, coming from Kyle Shanahan and McVay, they like to run the ball, so I think you're going to see more play action. I, I think you're going to see more aggressive downfield passing. The biggest thing I want to say for the Green Bay Packers is weapons-wise – this would be my big question, and whether they can get the nine wins. Who's there really to be scared of? Yeah, It's Devontae Adams, who's really good, but I'm not going to say he's one of the five best receivers nope. in football or anything like that. So, again, it goes back to is there too much pressure on Rodgers for his physical ability to have to make too many plays to carry the offense? That's what I, scared of, I get scared about. You know, again, Tom Brady the last two years, when all in doubt, he just went, damn, there's Rob Gronkowski. Sure. I'm just going to throw him the ball, and he might be covered, but he'll make a catch and maybe break a tackle, and all of a sudden we get a 30-yard gain. Who the hell is that guy for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. And I think that's what scares me about Green Bay. Nine is like I almost want to pick the push there. Yeah, well, I mean, the division's better. Yeah, well, exactly off, right. You know Chicago's going to be good. Detroit's definitely better. Yes. So yes. Uh, it's going to be – And Minnesota's – And Minnesota's right there. Exactly again. right. So right. it's, it's going to be a difficult division. It's going to be tough to get wins within the division – the defense is better. Mm-hmm. They've improved there. But Definitely. you're right. They didn't wow Aaron Rodgers. They nope. didn't blow him away with the idea that, hey, we got new toys for you. No doubt. We have some new weapons for you where you're just going to go out there and say, oh, let's spread the field. Let's look around, and I'm just going to pick this team apart. No, there's one guy, and I agree, I like Adams a lot, but yeah. he is not top tier. No, no. He's, he's not in the class of yeah. the Beckhams, A.J. Greens, Julio Jones, Antonio Browns. He's not the guy. Nobody's doubling Devontae Adams going, oh, man, if we don't take him away, then Which, we're again, screwed. is why some of his numbers are so good. Exactly because right. Because they're not treating him that no, way. No, they're not treating him yeah. that way. And if Rodgers sees one-on-one and he's a little bit covered, he's an unbelievable back shoulder thrower regardless. But, yeah, Green Bay is fascinating. Uh and, yeah, they got two first-round picks, so that's the one thing. Yeah. Maybe they get some young offensive weapons that way, but we'll see, and we're not going to know that for a few weeks. All right, so let's go to the Broncos now yeah. because it's a little different approach, obviously, yeah. the head coaching situation there. They mm-hmm. go Vic Fangio. They go a defensive coach. They go an older coach. 
this is a team that's not a ton is expected, but it's a team that's in, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of pressure on John Elway. Yep. Uh, they go and they get Joe Flacco at quarterback yeah. in a move that a lot of people were left scratching their heads. Right. Uh, it's questions about ownership. It's really a franchise right now that it's is in a, a bit of turmoil. And it's, it could be in a, a lot of transition, but yep. they have this first, they have a new head coach. They get seven wins. You look at the Broncos. The biggest question is what for you with this Denver team? It's a tough division. I think the biggest question will be the quarterback situation, though. I, I mean, I hate to be my like, captain obvious, but I think it really is. I mean, you know. Um, well, I, is the question then that they bring in a quarterback and it's just going to be no better than it was last year with that? With, I, I guess so. I guess that that's the question is how much of an upgrade is it going to be? You know, what's the new offense going to be under Rick, uh, Rich Scangrello, who comes from, again, Kyle Shanahan and that group where, hey, I figure they're going to run the football and play actions and boots are all going to be a part of the game plan. The number one thing I love about what the Broncos did in the offseason, hands down, the first thing I talk about is the coaching changes. I love the Vic Fangio's, yeah. uh, the head coach of that football team. First of all, they have a lot of talent on that defense and talent that fits his scheme, which is a little bit more 3-4 base. So I think that could be really special. They get Mike Munchak as an offensive line coach. Offensive line play has been an issue there. I would say other than Rich, uh, Skarnecchia um, in, in, um, in New England, this is the second-best offensive line coach in all of football. And I do like Sangrello at the offensive side of the ball. But it is. It's going to be about their offense and about them being able to create big plays. And Joe Flacco, what form does he regain? Well, do you think what they want out of this right now is they have some playmakers on defense. They have a defensive head coach. They want to win some ugly football games. They want to win close football games. And maybe do they think that Joe Flacco is the guy right now where you bring in a veteran and he knows how to win some tight games. I, I, you don't worry about stats. Don't worry about putting up numbers and let's grind some out. I mean, who could speak to that better than Joe Flacco? He's been doing that his whole career, having to play on a Baltimore Ravens team that, you know, we want to play defense and we want to run the ball. And then when we get in third and 12 or 15, Joe, we just need you to make a big throw. And he's kind of just, okay, I'll just throw him. Okay, I got it. Yep. I mean, it's a tremendous Joe. I feel like I'm in the room right now. This is amazing. But that's how Joe is. He's like unflappable that way. But I think to what you're saying, though, that's probably some of the beauty of why they made these decisions. So it's not about, oh, we have to outscore people. They're going to try to run the football. They're gonna, Joe has got guys like, hey, Emmanuel Sanders, who's not going to be 100% to start no. the season after tearing his Achilles tendon. They have Deshaun Hamilton, who's coming on as a, a, a young receiver out of Penn State. And they got Cortland Sutton, who was a second-round pick out of SMU last year. Guys who are, you know, other than Emmanuel Sanders, are not going to always be open, but – Sanders tore that Achilles in December. I know. So right? it's, and it's, his game's predicated on speed. Exactly right. So, so Flacco's going to have to make throws under the rest. Their big thing on offense is they have Philip Lindsay. And if they can get holes yep. for him uh, with Mike Monchek coaching things, they, they certainly could be special that way. And then play through their defense and win games 20-17. to 17. That's the type of style I think we're going to see from the Denver Broncos. All right, let's move on to yeah. the New York Jets. Oh, you have yeah. Adam Gase, seven wins mm-hmm. for this Jets team. That has Sam Darnold, has Le'Veon Bell. Should improve on offense, but it has a head coach that, listen, the offensive guru and the offensive mastermind, that was basically his reputation as he was going into Miami. It didn't work out in Miami, and there's only so long you can really hang your hat on the fact that Peyton Manning really liked you, Yes. okay, and that it really gelled with Peyton Manning. Sure, right. This is a pressure year for him. Even if the Jets aren't a playoff team, even if they are a seven-win team, 
is this going to be an exciting offense, or is this going to be a let's give the ball to Bell and see what happens? No, I, I think it, you know, exciting. Okay, listen, I don't think this is going to be like you know the top three or four offenses in football, but I think it's going to be in the top ten. I think it could be in that in that category. I mean, again, wow. I mean that's yeah, that's I know. Bad. I, I mean, think it'll that's... be right around that area, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven, somewhere dancing, flirting, right with that top ten. But yeah, I look at Gase. Okay, first of all, I am a fan of Adam Gase. He's into balanced football. He wants to run the ball. He now doesn't want to just throw it fifty times yep. a game. Okay, the Jets have sneaky weapons at receiver. I they agree. Do. They don't really. Yes. Have, they don't have. They don't have a number one. No, they don't have a number one, but they got a lot of number twos they and do. threes. Yeah. Uh, and a really good group of tight ends, too, that go along with it. Added to a Le'Veon Bell, I think that might be the beauty of the Jets, where you just go, damn, I don't really know who they're featuring. It can be a feature this guy on a weekly basis type of thing, a game plan type of thing, which for defensive coordinators can be more of a pain in the ass sometimes than when you actually have a Julio Jones, where they go, okay, we know they're just going to go to this guy. You know, the Jets, you go, man, Robbie Anderson, we kind of go watch out of him. Quincy Anunua, oh, gosh, we got to watch out for him. Okay. Oh, gosh, damn. Jamison Crowder kind of got to watch out for him. Damn, Le'Veon Bell running the ball and lining up as a slot receiver. Damn, we got to worry about him. And then I talked about some of the tight ends that are impressive with it. I think that's the beauty of what they do. Gase is a good offensive mind. He really is, and he's done great with quarterbacks. I think it's going to be awesome for uh, Sam Darnold. They're the second-best team in the division? Mm, Should be? It's going to be them and Buffalo. I think it'll be Bills, really close right because I like what Buffalo is doing too. Okay. I do. The Jets on defense have some things to like as well. They need a pass rusher. They need a guy who can close out games or straps, strip sack fumble to yeah. change the dynamic of a game. They don't have that. Maybe that's what they get at the number three draft pick because they're certainly sitting prime for that type of player there. Uh, but I, either way. Seven wins for the Jets. I mean, that's pretty spot on to where I guess I would probably put them. Okay. What would you do? No, I think that's I think that's accurate. I mean, I think if you want to go over, you got to look at your division, right? Uh, and if you're Gase, you got to look at Miami and say we got to have both of those. Yes, yeah, right. Have to have both of those, right. which is no no no. You're in me. division. Yeah, I mean, sure. Just ask New and England. Flores knows how just to ask New England about taking two sure. from Miami, right. right? Right. And you're probably looking at. I mean, you got at least split with Buffalo. Uh, and you'd like to win both, and I don't know that that happens. And you could lose both, mm-hmm. and you're going to lose both in New England. No doubt. So you got to you got to take two for Miami. I don't know. I uh, I think seven's about right. I could see them going over if this offense really clicks, yeah. and if Bell is this is why the elite bet. version of Bell. We have this is a guy we haven't seen play football in a I long know. time. I know. So, uh, but you're right. I'd like to see a defense that can cause some havoc, and I'm not sure that they are. Yeah. At that point. No, and no, they're not at that point. They don't have that one guy. But no. the one thing is they have Greg Williams, who's creative. He loves the blitz. So he'll try to formulate yep. pressure just through his game plan design instead of maybe relying on one guy all the time. Okay, so let's move on. Let's yeah. go to Cincinnati. Yeah. And you have Zach Taylor. Six wins right now. Okay, right. so you make a move. Cincinnati, you finally change coaches. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's somewhat underwhelming. Higher? Extremely. Again, uh, a guy with DNA that I would have said I could see him being a head coach in the future. Did I think the future was now? No freaking way. Absolutely not. I mean, again, just because he was in the room with McVay and Jared Goff doesn't mean he knows – Everything as far as game planning, you know, what weaknesses a defensive scheme has, how do I expose it, you know, how do I call those plays and formulate the plan on a weekly basis, all those things I gotta I gotta see it to believe it. Yeah, big questions here with this hire. Like Zach Taylor, the guy, I even played with him in Tampa Bay one of my last years there. When we we came as a free agent, did you think he'd be a head coach? I did. He always had that way about him. I certainly did. Okay. I just did not think that the timing was right now. That's what I would argue with him and Matt LaFleur. Yeah. I feel like it's 
two, three years too early before we got to that. I hope they can make the success of it, but that's the million dollar There's pressure on all these guys. I would say, though, I don't think there's a ton of pressure on him year one. Nobody's expecting a lot. No, and again, we talked about the division. Yes, uh, the division's real. Yes, and I think people know that. The pressure is going to start mounting, obviously, if they keep, if they start off poorly and they keep losing games. But I don't think it's a Mets right from the start. Let's move on to the Bucs, and okay. let's move on to a very different situation. Oh, all right, yeah. yeah, Bruce Arians in there. Yeah. Okay, it's going to be nothing if not entertaining. Uh, Post game press conferences might be one of the best things to watch about this team, they considering that the projection is six wins for a Bruce Arians led team. Who, yeah, okay, you may want to build something here, but. Bruce Arians, you don't hire him for a long-term build right now. You want to get a foundation, but yeah. you want to start winning some football games. Six wins. Six wins. Okay. Bruce this Ari- would be my team. If you made me go, here's my, here's the— This is the one you would choose? This would be my one to go. I would bet on this one. Okay. The other ones, I feel like, were kind of perfect. Yeah, right I there. mean, I think I would take this if I was going to go right, over, right. and I would probably go Cincinnati under. You would go Cincinnati I under? I would. Yeah, yeah, I can understand your thinking there, certainly. Yeah. Um I look at the Bucks and their situation, and I said this before Bruce Arians was hired. I thought the Bucks was kind of the under-the-radar, one of the best teams out there for a head coach and some of the possibilities out there. O-line, not bad. You know, running back, Peyton Barber, is better than maybe what the public or the national media realizes. Okay. You know, hey, you got a quarterback who's certainly been a knucklehead but has upside that I think we've all seen and gone, wow, there's moments we see that are special with this A number kid. of last chances. This is it, though. What this is the. It. This is the what? final last chance. That's it. No more other chances. If if he can't make it happen, as far as Bruce Arians with Jameis Winston right here, and Bruce has made every quarterback better, then yes, Jameis is in deep crap. Yeah. But the big question is. Okay, the division's real. I mean, you could argue it's the best division of football with the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers. I don't think any of them are falling off a cliff, okay? But now when I think about the Bruce Arians combination with Jameis and and his highest point, I go, wow, this could be special. I mean, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, they got some receivers and people to play with. You know, Arians, of course, is always creative. The defensive side of the ball, you know, it's, it's JPP. It's Vita Villa, who they drafted in the top 10 last year, who didn't get to contribute a whole lot. Um, uh, their damn defensive tackle. Uh, I'm, I keep blanking on this guy's name. What the hell is his name? Gerald McCoy. Are you talking about McCoy? Thank yes. You know, we talked so much you. about Oklahoma Only before. I don't, know, I, don't know why, I don't know why that. Gerald day. McCoy, though, yeah. you look at that. I mean, they have some young players in the secondary. The Bucks are the team I look at to go, ooh, they could, they could top the six wins. I also think he gets a massive benefit of the doubt, yeah. which is if this team doesn't get off to a good start, or right. if this team's losing games, I don't think anyone's necessarily blaming him at all, Arians. You I think really they're, don't. You think they're, I think they're looking at the, the players. People, players that are I, in place 100%. Already. Right. Right. And I think the difference is also, if you're a player on that team, you can't sit, you're, you're not going to get away with yeah. blaming the coach or someone else. No. Not at the beginning, because this is a team that's... Yeah, I, I it's don't got think question people, marks. Yeah, and that people definitely at this point do not believe in the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, they need to see something from him. I don't know that that can be salvaged, well, we're going to find out. Yeah. Bruce Arians is going to be there just to let us know whether it can be or cannot be. Let's stay in Florida. Let's go to the Dolphins. Brian Flores, this is a team. Projection, five wins. Yeah. Okay. This is interesting, right? Because right. you're bringing Brian Flores, you bring him in from the New England Patriots, and you want to change the culture. All right? And you go completely different than Adam Gase, mm-hmm. obviously, which this, that's another big thing in the NFL. If one thing doesn't work, let's find the opposite, essentially. Yeah. But you bring Brian Flores, defensive-minded coach, if you want to bring in a winning culture to a team, 
whose goal is not necessarily to win football games right. during this first season. Right. How do you do both at the same time? How yeah. do you inspire a winning culture when your owner and basically people in the front office have made it clear one way or the other that eh, maybe we shouldn't win that many games this year. Maybe we would be better off not winning Getting a good draft pick, yeah. getting a quarterback, right. and building. Yeah, no, I, and you know, I've said this I, on Pro Football Talk too with Mike. It, it's they're not tanking, okay? They're they're just building. It's for different. The future. Yeah, they're not trying to they're lose. They're not trying games, to lose but, games, but certainly yes, they're not going to go out and overspend or do something stupid right now that's going to mess up their overall future plan for success for the next four to five years. It is very hard what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, hey, Brian Flores, what he's going to really have to do, and a lot of the guys on the team are going to know that, and I think that's why he makes statements like this past weekend where he says Ryan Fitzpatrick's best years are ahead of him. I don't know if I agree <laughs> with that, but he's still trying to say there's good football left in him so he's trying to give his team hope that way really though what he's going to do a lot of the groundwork for what he's trying to instill with the culture is going to be is going to start this week it's going to be about being tough on the players about getting better in the building on a daily basis he's going to show and instill uh, install things that were done in New England to make players better whether it's drills or things at practice that they did as a team whatever it may be that's going to be a part of um the winning culture. Now, yes, the players that have been around the block before, they're going to realize, going, maybe, maybe we're not putting the best product out there this year, but they're going to also realize that Brian Flores is not going to accept anything but tough, detailed, work hard, work at your craft, get better at that from all of his football players. And again, what people miss in those type of conversations every now and then, this is not baseball or basketball. You know, everybody's basically on a one-year contract. So everybody on that team is yep. going to go, you know what, I'm going to buy in because, one, I'm living in South Florida and I'd like to stay here and keep my family here. Two, I mean, i got to go out on film and show everybody what I got anyway, so I'm going to put my best foot forward because I might have to impress another team or a GM in the future. And that's where it's different from the other sports. So it's yeah. never tanking in the NFL. It's kind of just reshaping or retooling for the future. Well, and it definitely gives the coach a lot more power than – the coaches have in those leagues. Yes, it does. Which, w- without let's face question. It, I mean, right. the coaches are becoming almost powerless in a lot of them. Yeah, they are. They the are. Yeah. All right. So, final one here. We get to the Cardinals. We get to Cliff Kingsbury, mm-hmm. USC coaching legend, Cliff Kingsbury. Five wins. Now, it's a huge wild card. Yeah. Because you have the top overall pick. Right. And you don't know who's playing We don't even know yet. We don't yeah. know yet. Right. They exactly right. They have the guy who's playing quarterback right. for them. Uh but this is a team that uh, was dreadful to watch yes. for most of last year. Yes. And now has brought in a coach that, as you mentioned, was not getting a head coaching job at a major Division One no. college. Right. Okay. Was a USC coordinator for the blink of an eye and now is an NFL head coach and was a coveted NFL coach yeah. all of a sudden. Uh I don't think there's a lot of pressure to win right away because nope. I think it'll be if they draft a quarterback, it'll be let's build this quarterback up, let's build this franchise. Five What's wins? Their, five wins seems... Yeah. Five wins probably seems spot on. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, if you it, made me, I would have gone four, four or six. If right? they don't, four through six. If they don't take Murray and they decide to rebuild a different way, I can see it going under. Yeah, sure. Um, right. Exactly right. I mean, what do you what do you hang your hat on with the, the Cardinals roster right now? What do you sit there and just go, ooh, you know, that area of the team. That's what we're leading I on. really like it, right? There, there's nothing. There's maybe players where you can go, I like David Johnson. I like Patrick Peterson. Sure. 
You know, uh, you know, I, I, I like uh, Chandler Jones coming off the edge as a pass rusher, but I don't think there's one unit on the team that you would even remotely discuss as being elite as far as yeah. NFL standards. So, yeah, there's a lot of rebuilding that's going to be done with the Arizona Cardinals. So that's amazing, too, because those, those are three Big elite, names, I know. Elite players. Exactly right, I know. But there's just not enough to go along with it at, at this point in time. And I think that they will get it right. And I think Cliff Kingsbury has a very good football mind. He's going to be kind of learning on the job, too. guy like Kingsbury yeah, comes right. into the NFL, yeah. okay? Right. And people, let's face it, everyone who's playing for him right now knows mm-hmm. his history, knows what he's done or hasn't done yeah. in the college game. He gets this job. He's a good-looking guy. He's charismatic. He's wearing the shades. Right. Difficult for him to earn respect with NFL players? Uh... No, I don't think it'll be difficult. I think they're going to be looking at him going, is this going to be like college? They, they're they going to want to see that. Is he going to be like toes on the line and like marching out orders like that? That's where NFL players who are like 30 years old, they're going to yeah. be like, is he gonna no, treat- I'm, I've been done with that shit for eight years now. <laughs> Thank you very much. So that's where he's going to have to learn, yes, this is no longer kids, right? These are some grown men. You have to have a different way about how you lead, things like that. Certainly going to be the big question. You know, hey, the big thing I'll throw out here with Cliff Kingsbury, the big question for me is the overall inventory of offense. That's what I'm going to be looking for. To me, that's where the college guys who are the college offenses of geniuses have become very normal men at the end of the day, a la Chip Kelly or a la Steve Spurrier, right? Because what happened was after like four or five weeks in the season, teams went, wait, this is it? This is the whole offense? Okay, wait, we're in week eight, and I'm still seeing the same 10 plays I saw in week three or four. So to me, it's going to be that continuing drive of expanding your offense, your plays, because that's what you have to do in the NFL. If you if you have a limited playbook, man, it's going to become predictable, and defensive coordinators are going to study those tendencies and be all over your crap. And that's really what I'm looking for from Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. All right, so we go back through this, and you would go Bucks, Bucks. six wins yeah. over. I think that's right. strong. Yeah, I would probably go Cincy under six. Yeah, I and- get you. Uh, it's such a wild card right now because the Cardinals, who knows what's going to happen, but I'd still go under. I really would because I just think that it's amazing. That Cardinals you can say, and Dolphins, you can say I almost those look at. three names yes. that you said before in terms right. of elite superstar right players and the complete lack of, lack of depth on that team is, uh, is, 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 is amazing. astounding. It, it is. really it's astounding. is. So, yes, it is. So I'd go under with them as well, despite yep. the fact that I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them. So yeah. book it right now. Take that. That's a good, solid bet where I don't know who's playing quarterback, but I'm telling you how many wins and losses. Well, I know. I mean, that, and like you said, I think that'll dictate it a little bit. I mean, Kyler Murray, a quarterback's probably worth one more win, certainly. And that could maybe uh, maybe make it from five to five and a half. Who knows? <laughs> Big jump. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's do weekend Winners and losers. Do you want to start us off? No, I want you to start you want, off. Okay, I'm yeah. going to say I have a winner and a loser. I okay. would say you're a winner if you're in the camp of people who like to say the line, see, that's why you don't recruit one-and-done players because you can't win titles oh, with them. Yeah. You can't do that. No. you got to do it old school. Right. Duke's out. Kentucky's out. Don't no even recruit one and Zion done next time. Oh, don't waste would, your time. Why would you recruit? The best players in the, the country. The best athlete we've seen. It's a one-game situation. They didn't yes. get blown out in the first round. They lost a tight game. You always recruit the best players. You want the best players on your team. These guys bought into the system. No doubt. They, it was right there for the taking. It didn't happen. 
that is the most nonsensical well, argument out there. How about all the guys that are recruited like that and we think are going to be one and done and then don't do very good and they end up being two and done or three and done? Yeah. So people are forgetting that aspect of it too. Krzyzewski's not recruiting him going, well, there's definitely, I mean, he's going to come in here and he's definitely one and done. Hey, maybe he thought that was Zion, but yeah. the other guys, he goes, I know there's potential here, but oh gosh, I don't know, he sprains his ankle or something like that happens or, you know, he's off his game that he's going to be here for another year. And there's this feeling that the one-and-done player is basically there just to sharpen their game and increase their draft stock, which in many ways they are, yeah. but that they're solely there for that. As right. If they're not going to be coached, as if they're not going to play the system that the coach runs, and clearly that's not the case at Duke because we saw Zion Williamson blow up his entire shoe. We thought his, we were wondering about his career. We are wondering about his future. And what does he decide to do? He decides, I'm not going to sit out. I'm going to come right back I'm going to play for Duke. I want to win a national title. And we know how much it meant to those guys because we saw how upset the guys on Duke and the guys in Kentucky were when they lost those games. You know who has a lot of seniors on their roster? Who's that? Uh, the bad teams in the MAC conference. <laughs> like, if you go, like, the bottom teams there, they don't have any one-and-done players. You can recruit the heck out of those guys. You can bring them all on your team. You're not going to win a lot of national titles. So, I guess you're a winner if you're one of those people who likes to say that. I, 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 I guess you're right. Statement. Yeah, right. Yeah, good job. They won. There you go. Uh, winning for me, cherry trees, okay? Winning. You know me. I'm Johnny Environment, you okay? You are. The cherry trees, the NFL, more importantly, the mayor of Nashville, okay? Him one-upping the NFL draft where they were going to chop down a whole bunch of cherry trees, okay, to, to expand the area of the draft so people could stand around, everything like that. The mayor steps in. And says, you know what? We're not going to chop them down, okay? Yeah. We are going to dig them up as is and replant them. And I like that. That was that was a winner winner to me right there. I just want to point out that yeah. here on the Unbutton Podcast, yeah. no trees were murdered to make this show. I, I don't think so. No. Well, That's maybe a, a few right here. We have a few pieces of paper here that might have been murder, even though in the day of age where we have well, murder is a strong like word, but yes. you know, sure, yeah, sure. We're doing our best to be environmental friendly. Trying. And sorry if you listen to me, you're just gonna have to hear this every now and then. This is, I mean, sorry, I like Earth. I know it's a, it's a damn shame that I do, but uh, <laughs> I, I accept glad your apology to see that happen. Okay, instead of just cutting down trees for a three day weekend event. Uh, and say, oh yeah, we're going to replant them, even though they're going to we're going to replant new ones that are going to be this small and take years and years before they ever grow back to what the cherry trees that they were going to chop down. So I like that. Most passionate thing you've talked about. I'm, I'm, this is the most passionate thing. You know I'm I like till you get to my loser. I like that there's someone at home watching, and this is where the boring this week is where the they NFL. clicked it off. Oh, they're like, oh, listen, I was you. all good for the Bengals takes, but if you're going to come in here and start telling me you love the environment, mm. I've had enough of you. Chris, oh, that's right. Well, you know, that's what, where it ends. You know what? Speaking of losers, because I'll go off my losers right there. Please. Speaking of the environment, you know what else I also like? I like bears and their cubs, okay? So losers of the weekend. I mean, true losers. Like, I'm not even – this is not even fun. This is like losers of life, okay, right here. Um, The Renner family from Alaska, have you heard about this story a little bit? Very little, but yeah. Okay. Uh, Andrew and Owen Renner, a son and a father, okay, who decided – they found a, a, a bear's den and decided to shoot a mother and her cubs for the sack of, for the sake of saying, uh, I guess they're God. Oh, look at me. I can kill an animal who's in a hole when I stick my gun in there and pull the trigger. I'm amazing. I'm like God. That shit pisses me off to where I don't even know to what extent. They thought they were getting away with it. They slapped five. I, I don't understand. Um, What's the celebration here? I don't what understand this, it either. I, I, I'm with you. It's disgusting. It's despicable. 
Uh, I, I don't, I'm, listen, I, I, I'm not a hunter. I get it. Uh, maybe I don't understand that culture. Fine. But I don't get how, uh, you know, cutting down a defensive, defenseless animal and its cubs uh, is something that you can gain pleasure from. Um, I, I don't and, either. And these people who pose with animals that they kill, uh, I don't know. It, it's beyond me. It's uh, it's gross. It's sickening. And they belong in the loser column. Yeah, yeah. no, no, they yeah. do. They belong there or in hell, wherever you want to say. But I am certainly not rooting for them. So screw you, Renner family from Alaska. All right. So we got through those two. And I'm going to change Change pace a little bit. We'll go off the environment for okay. just a little bit. Uh, I would say, oh, God, I, I hate to do this because I went to school at Buffalo. Um, uh, I have a lot of love for that city, which suffers a lot. But I'm going to have to say loser the city of Buffalo right now because the month of March has ended. Yeah. The Sabres did not win a regulation hockey game during the entire month of March. Holy crap. Okay. Right. Near the end of November, yeah. the Sabres had gone on a 10-game winning streak. Right. This is pretty deep into the season. Right. We're almost in December. They were the number one team in the NHL. Yeah. They are going to miss the playoffs again. They have been the worst team in hockey since the end of November. It's a team that loves sports, is yeah. passionate about sports, wants desperately to be in the national conversation for something good. They are going to miss the playoffs again. They're going to be right back in the lottery, and they're doing it in ugly fashion. And on top of it, I went to Buffalo, uh, and UB's coach, of course, you have a few successful runs. He's out. And Nate Oates is gone. He is going to Alabama. He is getting paid, and I can't blame him for it. This is the way the world works. You get paid a certain amount in the MAC conference, even if you are the top-paid coach there. Uh, listen, the guy was fantastic. I wish him nothing but luck at Alabama. And I imagine he'll be pretty successful there because if he could lift UB to the heights that he did, yeah. um, granted it was after Bobby Hurley who had sort of brought it to that level, I would think that Alabama will be a player in the SEC in basketball. Of course, you will always always be a very, very distant second fiddle to the football team. Yeah, you definitely will be. I mean, sorry, Buffalo, okay, and sorry to your squad. Who'd you guys lose to in the the March Madness? Who was the team that beat you? Texas Tech. Texas Tech, who's really good, obviously, and they're in the Final Four. Uh, But there's positive at Buffalo because I think the Bills, I just think they're trending in the right direction. I am like the number one fan of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and some of the moves they made. So at least they have that to look forward to. I really would be shocked if the Bills aren't like a pretty relevant pain in the ass team that's, for, listen, for the AFC that's, and the NFL real, that's this all, year. I think Buffalo yeah. fans will take that. Yes. All right. Do you have any more? No, I'm done. I think we're out of it? I think we're done. All we right. Made it. We can finish with an April Fool's joke. Can we? Yeah. Do you have one? I believe Tom Brady. Ah, look at this. Joins Twitter. <laughs> I'm retiring. In my spare time, I'll be tweeting. This is a first tweet to end all first tweets. And immediately, what's his what's his count up to with this? He had 43.4. Oh, yeah, I picking bet. up thousands Dude, of followers. Brady's Brady's social oh. media is it's it's pretty. pretty Where do you special. see him over under end of the day? Oh, I'm gonna say he gets to 150 thousand by the end. I'm of the going day. over. You're gonna go over. Oh that. yeah, I'll go. You're, I'll go way over. You're gonna go way over. Oh, well, yeah. name a number then. Way over. You, I mean, you oh, think I he's think gonna he's go over three, two, three hundred thousand. Easy by the end of the day. 
Yeah, well, Easily. his Instagram Instagram game is off the chain, and I got to give him credit for that. It's really good for a, an older man like himself to be all over that. Uh, he's he's up with the, the millennials and the How's new the age person kids. who's uh, tweeting from they're, your they're job trying, doing? They're trying, and we're trying to work it out together. We still got some improvements to do, but we're getting there. <laughs> because I know that's not you. I know it's not you. No, it's a collaboration. Yeah. It's a text texting me, and I text back, oh, I think you should say this, and then somebody else, a.k.a. Matt Casey, the throws it out there. That you're texting when yeah. you could just be tweeting, basically doing the same exact motion. Damn you social should, media. You should fax your tweets Fa- to Matt Casey. No, and he can I don't want to waste the paper, the okay? Thank you. Um, Come on. Well done. Thank you. All right. Peace out, homies. For Liam McHugh, Chris Sims, thanks for another unbuttoned podcast. Hope you enjoyed the listen. Please subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, YouTube.mb- YouTube.com slash NBC Sports the entire is where you can, right they'll get it. So either good. way, they've Jeez. already tuned us out either way. They're probably like, all right, it's over. <laughs> but peace out, homies. We're out of here. <laughs>